From the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University, welcome to Depth of Field, a podcast highlighting the careers, experiences, and accomplishments of our broadcast and cinematic arts graduates. I'm your host, Patty Williamson. Join me as I chat with media pros who reflect on their time at CMU, their lives and careers after graduation. Along the way, they'll share advice they have for anyone looking to work in a wide variety of media fields. And that's why we call it Depth of Field. Joining me today on Depth of Field is Joe Lates. He's a graduate from CMU's Broadcast and Cinematic Arts program from 2000, and he's currently working as a producer in New York, and he's been working on a ton of different projects since he graduated. Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh my God, it's beyond my pleasure. I'm so excited to see you and be here with you. It is so much fun to be able to check in on you after these years. You were a student when I was still a grad student here at CNU. Uh, yep, I remember. So I'm really curious what you've been doing for the past 20-ish, 20-some years. And uh. looking at your resume, you've been nominated for an Emmy. You've worked on a ton of different programs, many of which I've watched. And... Uh. Of course, you worked at Harpo with Oprah Winfrey as well. So, you know, I'm going to ask about that. Yes, 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 yes. So, you know, it was funny because um, in the last couple of years, believe it or not, I've uh, seen a couple of my friends from college. And one of them said to me, she's like, you are the power of manifestation back before it was even a term. Because in college, I had been such a fan of Oprah, always wanted to work at Oprah. But, you know, that was in the late 90s, early 2000s. The internet was around, but not really. And, you know, it was kind of like, how am I going to get my way to Oprah? Like, what this? it seemed like a, a, an, a dream, but I'm like, how? How am I going to do this? And, uh, you know, you couldn't Google anything. That was really not a thing. And, um, and I think about those 20 years, I'm like, wow, technology has changed so fast. But anyhow, so... Um, so, you know, it was building these connections. Um, after Central, I ended up, um, you know, when I, want, when I went to school, I wanted to be a news reporter. And, um, and I thought that was going to be my trajectory, be a news reporter, be a news reporter, then um, either be a talk show host or work on a talk show. And, um, you know, right after college, I don't know if you remember, but then I looked like I was 10 years old and, um, and weighed uh, nothing. <laughs> I was a stick. <laughs> and I got a couple interviews to be a reporter, but for whatever reason, well, I know what it was. I looked like I was a child. I looked like a 10 year old sitting there going, hello, everyone. I'm going to be reporting your news today. Like, no. <laughs> and hence, I did not get those jobs. And I remember thinking, I'm like, this is show business. This is what it's like. This is, you know, highs and lows and everything else. So I'm like, no, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Something will happen. I ended up doing um, uh, some corporate television in Detroit uh, because I'm originally from um, Allen Park, Michigan. And, um, and so I was, and my dad had worked at Ford and my family had worked there and they had their own uh, internal communications. And so I ended up um, doing a job there and um, they had a newscast back then, a TV broadcast news. So they let me do some of the kid reporting for them, like on the Ford Focus. And I still have some of those uh, stories um, on VHS. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and so 
I say all of that because that, believe it or not, led me to my job at Oprah. And, um, and so, you know, I still, even though that was not my dream job, I knew that, you know, I still wanted to do a good job. And, you know, like I was saying, I mean, and I really say like there was no internet. You really just had to make phone calls. There were still books on like, you know, like here are the different markets and this and that. And like, you know, the news director, you had to have a book. You had to have somebody else tell you who these people were. It was insane to think about it. Anyhow, um, so I really wanted to live, um, well, New York, I really wanted to live in. Um, but I was up for just working in real show business. And so I decided to go to Chicago. <laughs> now, most people are like, why would you ever go? You, wouldn't, you didn't go to New York. You didn't go to LA. You went to Chicago. And, you know, it's, you know, from Detroit, it's the closest, you know, major city and it's, and it's Midwest. So, you know, I was like, okay, I can do this. And I, you know, you could drive there. I was going there often. And um, so I told somebody at Ford that I was leaving and they said, well, why don't you apply at Harpo Studios? And I said, oh, okay, great. And, um, and again, no website, like there was no um, website for Harpo or even the Oprah show really, to be honest. And so, um, but they gave me a name, this contact at Ford gave me a name. They said, call Irma Norris up. And so I um, get to Chicago and I won't lie, I took a minute and took a breath to actually reach out because that was going to be a dream job. And I, that one, now those news jobs that I was not getting, it was okay. I mean, you know, for me, I, I don't think I would have been good covering, you know, a deer, you know, like, or something like that. I just, it just was not, I mean, you know, you know in college, I would go off to New York and, <laughs> and come back with my wild clothes. I don't know if you remember, I, you know, it was the nineties and the nineties are back and I came back with platform shoes, you know? So I was kind of already a little like already into that East coast, you know, feeling and, you know, wearing tight clothes, whatever. So anyhow, so, um, so that one, so those that, you know, I was like, okay, fine. These didn't work out, but Oprah, I would have been devastated, absolutely devastated. And, uh, so anyhow, so, um, truly mailed in my resume where you had to, I don't know which age bracket's listening, but the, you truly had to make sure it printed perfectly. There were ways to fold it. I mean, there were courses. There were courses on how to print and fold your resume. Like, make sure this isn't there. You know, so so I did, and and I went to a mailbox in Chicago and I put that resume in the mailbox, hoping to God it would make it to Harpo Studio, knowing that they also get so much mail just from the Oprah Show. You know, like so I'm like. Well, all right, maybe, hopefully. And sure enough, I got a phone call, um, you know, and it was um, Harpo. And um, they said, we'd like you to come in for an interview. And so I did. I came in for that interview and uh, I met with Irma and this other person, Tracy. And um, Tracy recalls me being so nervous. She goes, you were shaking, legit shaking. <laughs> I'm like... Yes, I mean, this is, I, I was 24 years old and, you know, like I was, I was like, um, hi. <laughs> so anyhow, so then they sent me on my way and I was like, okay. And so then I, um, you know, for, they said, well, you know, if we're interested, we'll uh, give you a second interview. Well, I got the second interview. And so I'm like, okay, great. And so I had done something that nobody told me to do, but I was like, you know what? I got to stand out from everybody else. So I printed off another sheet that I gave them. And it was the top 10 reasons why I thought they should hire me. And so I gave that to them in my, them being Irma and Tracy, um, in my second interview, 
And, um, and then they said, okay, well, why don't you go across the street and have lunch and then um, we'll call you. And I'm going, what? You gotta be kidding me. Like, please just tell me, please just tell me. Now I did have a cell phone at that time. So I was able, I, you know, I called my grandma, you know, I'm like, I think I got this job. Like, you know, I mean, this was a huge, huge deal, like anything. And, and I was like, okay. And then, so then I'm trying to eat, but I am so like nerved up that I could not eat. And I'm just ordering food and not eating it. Then they call me, they bring me back over, and then they tell me in the lobby of Harpo, and they're and Tracy was like, We want to let you know that you got the job. And I was just, I was ecstatic. I mean, it was, I was like, this is my big break. And um, and it was, and she was excited, everyone was excited. It was, it was, it wasn't, it was incredible. It was, I it was, I just it's as if as me telling you this story as is, is as if it happened yesterday. Um, it will always be one of my favorite, favorite stories because it just, because I'm still friends with um, everybody to this day and really close actually with that, with Irma, um, who I originally sent that resume out to. And we still talk to this day and we had lunch just recently. So yeah, it, it will, it's for obvious reasons, it'll always be a special time in my life. I'm sure. So what was that first job that you got with Harpo? So it was um, an assistant to the production management department. And so um, I had not really known what a production manager was. And so, um, so I, was an ex- uh, I was an assistant to the uh, production executive, which was Irma, the production manager, which was Tracy. And um, so being an assistant, I also managed what are the tape loggers. And uh, so I was their manager. And so I would do that. And then I would also just kind of assist on booking crews and uh, helping out um, just anything related to the field. Um, that's what this job really was. It was it was called a production manager, but it was um, wasn't a field producer necessarily, but it was more of that type, like always being out in the field and doing field shoots. And how did your career develop from there? Because you were with Harpo for quite a while. For nine years. Yeah. I stayed there from, yeah, for nine years, it was a staff job too. So what was fascinating about that was in it, that, you know, like I had a big awakening when, um, <laughs> when, when that show ended, because it was a staff job. You had a 401k, you had health benefits, um, you got paid um, staff. Um, and we, and by the end, I did um, get promoted enough to where I got 11 to 15 weeks off a year paid. And so, um, so, you know, so that was a very unique experience in itself. Um, and, and I loved it. I mean, being the production manager, being one of the production managers on the show was unique because I traveled a lot. I um, went to Australia with the show. I, um, I was there during the car. People always ask, you know, the cars. I was there for the cars. I was there when Tom Cruise jumped on the couch. I, um, I was there for a lot of the um, favorite things. I even sat in the audience of favorite things to trick an audience member, you know, like there's just so many. And, um, and so it was just, you know, and I just being able to travel, like I went to Yosemite, I went camping with Oprah and Gail, um, just in being on the production management, I got to do all of that without having to worry about the producing team who was chosen because we were always chosen as production managers. So, um, 
and oh, and the Oscars. I would go to the Oscars. I was going. I went to the Oscars so often um, for the after the show that we did. But then you have to do the pre-Oscars, and you know, I would sit in the um, audience watching them rehearse. Um, and and you know, I'm just thinking, I'm like, is this really my life? I'm like, I am love, and you know, loving every moment, every moment of it. It was just one of those where you're just. I couldn't believe, I still, sometimes to this day, I still can't believe that it all really happened. Like, that was really, that it really came true. Like, I worked at Oprah. <laughs> so was it everything that you thought it would be? It sounds like it was maybe beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely everything and more. Um, you know, one of the one of the key moments, and I did say, I was like, if the dear Lord takes me after this experience, not just the Oprah show, this one that I'm going to tell you, I go, I know that I have, I've accomplished what I wanted. So growing up, I always played talk show in my grandma's basement. And because uh, this is what I always wanted to do, you know, either host, produce, da, 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 whatever. That was my dream. So we, was, we were getting ready to start season 20. And it was, um, we got a new set for it. And for the new set, Oprah had to um, see new camera lines. The director had to practice all of this. So, um, so we did a mock show and with Oprah and we didn't know how much she really wanted to, you know, like be a part of it. Like, you know, like, are we, how far are we going to go into it? Well, anyhow, they asked me to be a fake guest on the show. And um, so, and there was an audience there. Um, some of my family was sitting in the audience. And, um, and so I didn't tell them what, that's what they were doing. So all of a sudden they see me come out they're like, well, wow, he's still sitting there. And for the first couple of segments, I played this dad um, who was, it was a real guest on our show. And, um, you know, I played a dad that was making his son work out too much. And he was like, football practice. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Oprah and I were having so much fun. So I say, you know, playing talk show, I played talk show with Oprah. Like that was, that was truly the epitome. I'm like, that's why I say, if the dear lover is going to take me then I'm like, yeah, that would be a okay. It was it was everything and anything that moment. Um, and so, yeah, and then I kept playing. Then the audience was getting a little bit riled up and they're kind of like, I was like, I have to go out into the parking. I told her, I was like, Oprah, I'm like, I have to go out into the parking lot. I'm like, I hope these people, you've got to tell them that this is fake. And she was like, yeah, <laughs> they'll realize once you come out as Leonardo DiCaprio. And so we did like three or four segments. Um, I had a wife and kids and all, you know, all that. And um, and then she comes out, she's like, please welcome Leonardo DiCaprio. And the audience is like, ah, and then they go, oh. <laughs> it's me. And I did an outfit change, I bought, Ironically, I bought uh, the shirt that I wore for that segment. Um, I bought here in New York. It was a Dolce & Gabbana shirt. Like it was one of those moments. And uh, and she was like, ooh, like that shirt. Needless to say, I still have that shirt and that shirt should actually be in a frame right now because that was my shirt that I played talk show with Oprah. So how was Oprah to work with? Oh, she was fantastic. She really was. You know, the number one. So I usually get um, three questions whenever people find out, even all these years later, because, you know, the show has been off the air 11 years. Yeah. Um, yeah so this may. And so it's like, um, but anyhow, the three questions that I get are, uh, have you ever met her? I would. I would talk to her about three times a week. And then the other one is, um, is she a B? And I'm like, no. Um, and it's, it's just one of those where she worked hard. She was, she is the CEO, you know, of the show. She was the boss. 
Um, no, there was nothing about it. I mean, there were many funny times that we had laughing. Like there was one time I thought we were going to become friends um, because we were doing voiceovers and and then we were just kind of laughing and I'm like, ah, and we're going down to this hallway to her car. And I was like, well, I still have more work to do, but if she invites me over, I'm going over. Like, this is not, <laughs> I'll be like, I got, oh, this is going to date it, but I've got my Blackberry so I can do all my work from home or from her house. Like, or I'll just, I won't even sleep. I'll just, whatever, you know? <laughs> so um, that did not happen, but you know, I thought it was, but she was, you know, she would laugh and everything else. And so yeah, no, she was great. I mean, it was, I had a time of my life. And then the third question is, as everyone always asks me, are her and Gail dating? And I said, I'm like, no, she's not a lesbian. She's not a secret lesbian. I said, she's talked about all of her private life and all of those very, very private things. I think the least of her concerns would be like, hey, you guys, by the way, I'm a lesbian. You know, like that would not, <laughs> like, she would not be hiding that one. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So those are the three questions that I always get about her. So I'm fascinated by the fact that you actually were able to, and not just have kind of a generic career goal, but like literally want to work on a talk show on Oprah and were able to make it there through a lot of hard work and a little bit of luck. So I'm wondering when you were a student at Central, what are the things that you did or the experiences that you had that helped prepare you for doing the work that you do today? Yeah, a lot of it, you know, was um, was just believing in myself, um, you know, like, and I, you know, the, you know, the secret was a big thing about doing vision boards and all of that. And, you know, I used to do that in college all the time. I would always put up, not necessarily a vision board because that didn't exist back then, but, you know, I would put up different um, quotes and different, you know, like always to keep me on target for what I wanted to do. And a lot of them obviously were from Oprah. And, um, and then, you know, I did um, the news um, at Central and then I did uh, that entertainment show for one semester. And, um, and being able to do those things um, gave me the practice and, you know, the knowledge of just being able to build that confidence in myself um, to follow those dreams and to make it happen. And um, so, you know, just looking at it, you know, and then, and really just being like, okay, I can do this. I mean, I still do that to this day. I have a whiteboard uh, that I write down uh, wins um, for myself, uh, whatever I'm trying to do next. So those are the things that I do. So as Oprah came to an end and yeah. you went from a staff job to, was it more freelance work after that? Yeah, so a fish, So technically it would all be freelance after that. Um, some of them, they weren't always 1099s. Um, so they were like the fake um, permalance, I think what everyone calls it. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, the benefit was is that I did get a severance package from Oprah, a, a very nice one. And so, um, so I didn't have to like, all of a sudden be like, oh my God, what do I do? <laughs> so that was nice of her. You know, I mean, like that was great. And so, uh, so at that point, um, everyone thought I was going to move to New York City because I used to spend more time in New York than I did in Chicago at one point. And then I saw California and I started spending time in California and that warm weather and that ocean. And, you know, after spending all of my you know, third, you know, 30 years in the cold, I was like, 
there's an opportunity to move to LA. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. So then right after Oprah, I moved to Los Angeles. I moved to the beach. I uh, lived two blocks from the ocean in Marina del Rey. And I was, I was like, this is, this is how I'm going to do it. And then, you know, I just started um, networking and kind of reaching out. And I did have that cushion of, you know, of that severance package. But then I also knew people at Oprah. And so, you know, some of them would then, you know, it's, it's always your connections. And so, yeah, and then I started working out in L.A. And what were you doing in L.A. once you started working? What were some of the jobs that you moved into? Yeah, so I didn't want to be a production manager anymore. Um, I wanted to be more creative. So now here's the challenge that came up. How do I now pivot from being a production manager to being a producer? And, you know, because people... People have one image of you and people still do. I mean, all these years later, I've been producing now longer than I was a production manager, but a lot of people still remember that. And um, it's never hindered me, but it did take a minute for people's um, to get out of that pigeonhole of being, you know, so that they knew that I was also creative. Um, that was a little bit of a challenge, but, you know, I would take um, associate producer roles and I never had to become a production assistant after that, um, which was nice, but, you know, nothing wrong with it. I mean, you got to start where you got to start. Um, but I do remember one of the, um, oh, do you remember when Ricky Lake uh, had a reboot of her talk show? I do. Yeah. So, um, so I got an interview, uh, with somebody there and I remember the person, uh, saying to me, she was like, it was for an associate producer job, which, you know, I mean, I know the ins and the outs of certain things, you know, even if I was doing a different job and she kept saying to me, she was like, she goes, she goes, I don't know. She goes, you never produce anything. She goes, I don't know if you can do this. And, <laughs> and, and I think she already had her preconceived notions. Anyhow, she wanted to talk, she wanted to gossip more about own instead of, um, instead of interviewing me. And so, <laughs> so I did not get that job. And, um, and that show only lasted 13 weeks. So um, there is that. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, the bullet. Right, exactly. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, so there were a couple, I mean, it wasn't always like, you know, like always green, green, green afterwards, but I, I mean, I won't lie, that weather was nice. And so, and, you know, <laughs> when you're, I didn't, I lived for the beach four out of the eight years there. And, um, you know, I mean, you don't really have to spend that much money when you live by the beach. And so, you know, you just, I, you know, it's keeping a positive attitude. I think you remember even back then. I was happy. I'm, you know, like truly am one of those happy-go-lucky people. Um, just love life. I love, you know, loved it then, love it now. Um, and not everything's always been perfect, but, you know, I mean, it will work out eventually. So, do you miss the weather in California now that you're in New York? Yeah. Um, the weather, yes. Um, people ask me all the time. So I ended up moving to New York because um, I was working with the actress um, Valerie Bertinelli um, on a Food Network show. So I started doing a bunch of Food Network shows. I did. I worked with uh, Tia Mori and um, and then Valerie and then um, then Valerie show, and that was great. That was that was a fantastic experience that I was doing. So my most of my producing now is with talk shows and food shows. Um, there's been a few other things, but those are my big ones. So, um, yeah, so, so with Valerie's show, I took an associate producer uh, position, and then um, by the end of the run for me, I was the co-executive producer of the show. And, you know, part of that was, was just, I mean, I was probably a little overqualified to be an associate producer at that point, but you know what? 
hey, take what you can to get in, to get more connections, to get more people to know you. And so I did. And, um, and so it was, that was so much fun. I mean, I got to, I got to, I mean, Valerie became a friend of mine. Like it's, you know, we still talk to this day. Um, it is, it's, it was, it was incredible. It really, really was. Um, and I got my Emmy nomination because of it, not the win, but the nomination. So, you know, it's fine. <laughs> uh, waiting for a second nomination. So I don't know what that says, but you know, whatever. Um, it's still fun. <laughs> so what was um, that like to be nominated for an Emmy? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I was, yeah, I saw it. The only thing was, is that I couldn't go because at that point, I had already been working on another show. So Valerie show with an extended hiatus. And I was like, well, I need to work. So I called up another friend of mine from Oprah. She was doing, um, producing a show in Nashville and it was called Pickler and Ben. And, um, and so I started producing that, going back and forth, living between Nashville and LA. And so when the Emmys were, I was actually in Nashville. And so, um, so I couldn't go. So I didn't actually get to go, but just, I mean, I, well, for the, <laughs> the listeners can't see it, but I don't know if you can. Um, that's the Emmy nomination right there. So, um, yeah, it's fun. You know, it's it's a plaque. Great. It's, it's good. It looks nice on the wall. Mm. And then right above that is the picture with me and Oprah and my family, because I did go to uh, um, Hawaii with her and got to bring my family. And that's a whole other story. I mean, lots of trips, trip of a lifetime, back to Oprah again, of course, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's awesome. So I'm also curious, just this is sort of a question out of nowhere, but you've done a lot of food shows. Are you a good cook now from all of this work that you've done with people who are showing folks how to cook? That is not a question out of the blue because people that know me every day know that I don't really cook. Um, I (laughs) dine out and I have meal services. Um, (laughs) I will say that doing the cooking shows, I realized that cooking is not that difficult. Um, It is, um, you know, it's, it's not like baking where you have to be exact on your measurements and everything. This is more where you can just kind of throw a little bit in, you know what you like. So I will say I make a really good omelet um, that I can do and I have different flavors and I can also make quinoa uh, <laughs> and make the flavors a little different. I always, <laughs> so I do that for the rest of the week is um, prepared meals or going out to dinner. You know, it's just one of those. I, uh, I live by myself. I do not have a family and, you know, to cook for, one person is one thing, you know, like you just buying all those ingredients. I'm like, well, I could have somebody else do it. So that's mostly <laughs> why, uh, but I'm, I'm not a cook. I mean, but, but I was not the culinary producer on those shows. I was uh, the content and the guest and, um, you know, and producing the host. So um, there was a culinary producer out there that actually took care of those things. And so, um, so that was, um, so I got, I dodged that bullet. So talk a little bit about what it is that you do as a producer or an associate producer. What are the tasks that you perhaps excel in? What are the things that are expected of you on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So, you know, what's the most fascinating about that is my, probably the biggest skill that I am really good at is dealing with the guest. I, and I love it. I love it more than anything. I, you know, like 
let's make this a good time. Like that's what it's all about really in the end. And, uh, you know, my specialty on talk shows are makeovers and I love finding the guests. I love, you know, like putting that all together and making them feel like celebrities and stars. And, um, and I have done man makeovers before, uh, which is, you know, totally different than, you know, making over women, but that was so much fun. And, um, so because of that, you know, that's, that's kind of like uh, an associate producer because I'm so good at that. So I always kind of like, even when I was the co-executive producer of Valerie's show, I would still take care of some of the guests at a certain point, but then your responsibilities, um, you know, making sure everything's all put together. You're the one who's answering the questions and you're the one who's in charge. And so you can't necessarily spend as much time with the guest. And so, um, which is okay, but you know, I mean, that's, that is my favorite part. Um, so yeah, it's, um, for me, it is, um, booking the guest, um, for the talk shows, it's, um, finding the guest, booking the guest, you know, getting, wanting the, them to come on to your show and not another show. Um, and, um, and then for the cooking, it was, you know, putting it all together, knowing, you know, like, what would make the most sense? Um, how would we do it? What's the theme going to be? Because every single episode, you had to have a different theme. And it was like, you know, like, okay, so we're going to have her do this this week. And, you know, like, what's, what's she doing in her life? Or what has she done in her life? Like, let's do that. So coming up with themes, ideas, um, and then just organization, uh, making sure everything is organized like that was yeah that's another thing that i'm good at is the organization and um making sure that that's going to be going smoothly because on show day uh time is money everyone has said that and it is show business for a reason (laughs) and you know i mean if you go over and you're doing overtime you are in trouble so the more efficient that you are the better you are really doing your job that's where I'm glad that I was a production manager first, because I do know the element of that. Because a lot of times, you know, when you've only done the creative job, you're just like, do, 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 nothing against it. But, you know, it's like, la, la, la. And the truth of it is, is no, you have to stay on target. You have to you know, no, get this things done because otherwise, uh, yeah, you'll be in trouble. So you talked about how one of your favorite things or favorite thing really is talking to the guests and really getting them ready for the interview or the segment they're doing. Do you have guests that really stand out from over the years that you've booked and talked to and prepped for the show? Oh gosh, there's been so many. Um, It's hard to pinpoint one. Um, So, but I will talk about somebody that I just met. Um, So I was producing um, Nick Cannon's talk show. And, um, and so um, I was doing a makeover segment and the show unfortunately was canceled. Um, but um, one of the, my guests reached out to me, actually a couple of my guests reached out to me and they're like, is it true? Cause of course, you know, it goes to the internet now. And uh, they're like, we're reading blogs and we're hearing that Nick Cannon was canceled. And I said, it is true. And you know, this guest who I did a makeover for Tony is her name. She had said, um, she was like, I just want to give you one more hug. She goes, when's your last day? I go, it's, today um we found out that morning of that's a whole other story too that's interesting um how that works out too and you know but you know i built these relationships with these people that you know they want to be my friends i'm friends with a lot of them on 
Facebook or Instagram. Um, and we stay in touch. Uh, some of Valerie's friends um, that I got to know that we booked periodically, um, I'm friends with them on their own. And uh, some of them have, have now come to New York to visit. And they'll give me a call to see how what I'm up to, if we can meet for dinner or what have you. So, um, so one specific person, I don't know. I don't know if there is. Um, it was fun. You know, I'm now friends with, um, do you know who Mackenzie Phillips is uh, from yeah. One Day at a Time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, Faith Ford from Murphy Brown, um, you know, like, so those are kind of fun, like the 80s TV celebrity friends that I um, have gotten to know. Um, and, you know, we still stay in touch mostly on Instagram, but, you know, but we, yeah, I mean, they'll comment back and forth. They'll comment on my things, you know? And so that's kind of fun. Um, yeah, it's, it's been, and then, you know, and then there's so many guests that I just even just met, like, I would not call them friends, but, you know, like just a lot of celebrities throughout the years that I've gotten to meet and, uh, which, you know, that it's fun, especially when you're a boy from Detroit and you're like, I want to, you know, <laughs> work in show business. And, and again, I do go back to at that time before the internet, because there, it was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to navigate this? Like I have a VHS tape with a resume reel <laughs> and a car. <laughs> well, and I think even today with the internet, I think a lot of our students today, it is still intimidating to try to get into show business, right? To get into New York or LA or even Chicago, uh, yeah. that it's a big step for them to take. So you really have to have faith in your abilities and it helps if you have a contact as well, somewhere along the line. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. That's yeah. I mean, it always does. And anyone is um, free to reach out to me um, on my Instagram. It's at my showbiz life. I mean, totally come say hi. And if you're in LA or New York or Chicago, I still know people in Chicago. Um, yeah. Anybody can reach out to me. I don't mind. That's awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned the Nick Cannon show got canceled. It sounds like abruptly, perhaps. Um, how difficult yeah. is that to deal with? So this one was interesting because uh, we were supposed to go on a five-week hiatus anyhow. And um, so we kind of already planned it. And people had some trips planned. And, um, you know, the ratings were okay. And that's the thing about daytime television. I mean, nobody really sits at home and watches TV anymore, like just turns it on. They don't have it on in the background while they're cooking. You know, that's, you know, people did that for all those shows. Even when I did Valerie's uh, cooking show, you know, people would be doing the laundry. We always knew that, you know, like you're like, okay, where are your key points? Because that's what people are doing. Well, now there are so many other options and, you know, it's just not necessarily something that people do. So the ratings did struggle a little bit. So we kind of knew that. And, you know, daytime, it's always been a difficult, but it's getting more and more difficult. And so, uh, so that the night uh, so our last taping day before hiatus was going to be Thursday on a Thursday and uh, Wednesday night, uh, we heard rumors that Nick was going to be meeting with the executive team and that um, we would then find out. And like most play, like most, like you've heard this story before, we found out through the press and we were in a production meeting for the next day shoot uh, tapings and uh and it looked like one of the executive producers was so in such a good mood. Like, we're like, oh, well, maybe we're, maybe this show is gonna, you know, like is doing better than we thought. You're, or something, you know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe they're gonna give them a chance or whatever. And uh, 
Then somebody Googled the name, Nick Cannon, obviously, and show's canceled. The staff has not been told yet. Tomorrow will be their last day. Like, what? We found, I mean, page six, if you want entertainment news and you want it correct, page six is pretty good. Not pretty good. They're real good. And, and it's not because I worked on their TV show. That's another show I did here in New York. That's not why I'm saying that. Uh, but that was, but that is, but they really are. And so, um, so then we were like, wait a second. And so then we went to talk to the executive producers. They had not known yet either. Truth be told, they did not. Of course, then the phone calls start ro rolling in. And next thing you know, um, nothing could be confirmed that night, but you know, you kind of knew. And then we got an email um, that night saying, uh, we're going to have a production meeting at 7.30 in the morning uh, with the executives uh, with the, from the company. And it was like, well, that's not good news. And so they said, yeah, we've decided not to renew the show. And because we had already knew that we were going to be on a five-week hiatus uh, because of Nick's schedule, we had already planned, uh, we'd already taped shows for the rest of March, April, and May. So they already had their episode and they said, um, today will be your last day. Uh, <laughs> pack up your bags and away you go. Um, I pack light. So uh, <laughs> I won't lie. I mean, at this, you know, like it's unlike Oprah, like, you know, I, I don't really keep a lot at work anymore. I just, I just need my computer and bam, away you go. So, um, and you know, they gave us a computer, but I always chose to use my own because I'm like, eh, you never know. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, um, so I really had nothing to do. I was like, okay, click, here you go. Um, and, um, but yeah, they did offer a severance. I will say that that was very nice. That is not always, um, that is not common in show business whatsoever. Um, so that was nice. So we did get a severance package out of that because when we were coming back, we were supposed to be working for 10 more weeks. So that was 10 weeks of work that are now gone. And so um, it wasn't the full 10 weeks that they gave us, but you know, you'll take whatever you can have. But yeah, I mean, yep, you come in that morning, you think you have a job and you don't. And it truly is your last day. And I know I say it like, it's like no big deal. I mean, I think because I've been doing it now 22 years professionally that you just kind of know. I mean, I don't think, no, I have not ever had this really happen to me before where it was like you walk in and then that's your last day. No, I have not had that. I have had another show canceled, but then we had like three months left. So, um, but, you know, it's kind of like, you're like, all right, this is show business. And so, yeah. So where do you go from here? What are your plans? Are you still trying to figure out what's next? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, um, I, there was um, somebody that I knew, she wanted to do a cooking show and she was able to get funding for it. Um, so, uh, so I'm going to help her um, produce that for um, four weeks. I was like, well, the timing works out well um, because I knew I was going to have these five weeks off anyhow. So I was going to try to like, you know, put that in during that five weeks. Um, but now I have a little extra time. Um, so I'm going to be working on that for her show to develop that out. Um, I really do not sell shows. That is not what I do, but I know people that do. And I kind of know like, so um, I can put it together and then we can see what we can do. Um, another person um, cooking show, um, which is always ironic because I don't cook, but um, another cooking show and, uh, and hers is beauty and cooking. And so, and kind of make Making those two relay. She knows how to do beauty. So she's going to show somebody who knows how to cook um, beauty tips, and then they're going to give her cooking tips. So, um, oh, so we're interesting. Gonna 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to meet with her actually tomorrow morning. Um, so we're going to be doing that. And then, you know, truth be told, and my biggest advice to anybody is building your own brand. Uh, I did not realize that that would ever be a thing for us at all because we did not have social media and it's not to be an old fogey. It's just that, you know, like it's, it just wasn't, you know, like I, Oprah was a brand, you know, like these people were, you know, celebrities, but you really had to be a celebrity of some sort to have a brand, you know, Suzanne Summers is a brand, but now we are all brands. And so I am working on that. Um, and then what is that? You know, I am an expert in, you know, producing and putting TV shows together. So there is that. Um, I also am really into, you know, making people feel good and, you know, happiness and just true happiness. And so, you know, I focus that on my Instagram page, like just having, you know, like doing positive things, funny things too, you know, like, like I did post um, a, an Instagram reels about um, <laughs> when your show gets canceled unexpectedly. And it's like a person calling their credit card company going, yeah, hi, American Express. Um, so those charges that I have, <laughs> <laughs> um, could you reverse those? Can, can I get a return on these? Can I, can I pay this later? <laughs> so I like to do funny things about the industry too, but you know, also, you know, make people feel good. So yeah, so it's, really that brand building that I've been um, also, and now I have, you know, I have the time to do it. And so it's been good. Yeah. So you mentioned that, you know, the, the whole idea of daytime television is really changing because mm. of people's viewership patterns and streamers and things like that. What do you think is going to be the result of that? What's going to happen with daytime TV? Well, I mean, they're always going to want to fill something for their broadcast, you know, like there'll always be something there, but it's going to have to be somewhere else too. And, you know, like even the Today Show already, you can go online on YouTube and watch Today All Day, um, you know, from their broadcast. And so then you don't you have to watch it at the, that certain hour. Um, yeah, I mean, the viewership is down. Um, when I, I mean, Oprah always had a huge, obviously huge viewer. When I started in 2020 years ago, uh, September of 20. Oh, two. Um, I, we, we were getting nines, tens and, um, you know, if God, if we didn't, if we got a six, we'd be like, what happened by the end of that run? Um, we were getting fives and sixes and our closest competition, which was Dr. Phil, um, he was getting twos and threes. So, I mean, that was still, you know, like, I mean, we're still dominating the platform, but like now, I mean, people are lucky to get a one and, and you can still get renewed at a 0.5, <laughs> like, you know, and at that time, I mean, a one would have canceled you within a second. You know what I mean? Like if you couldn't get that and yeah, it's, I mean, it's just dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. Um, I mean, they'll always be there, you know, they're cheap to produce um, for the most part, you know, unless you have a panel show, but even then not necessarily. Um, you know, you don't have to pay for these like actors and the cat, you know, like that type of thing. So, I mean, they'll always be there. Um, it's just that, yeah, the pay scale will go down. And because, you know, if you're not, because it goes back to the business part. If you can't sell your ads for premium dollar, then you can't pay the people the premium dollar. And so, you know, I mean, you love it. And I do, you know, I love it. Um, but yeah, those are those expectations. So, you know, like, trying to diversify um, what you do. So any other last words of advice for students who might be thinking about getting into any kind of talk show format or really television in general? 
Yeah, so there's this really good book that I found. It's called Career Choreography by Ken Linder. And I highly recommend that book because it really tells you how to choreograph your career. Like you lay it out and you kind of go, okay, if I want to be this, you know, like a news reporter, then what are those steps to actually do to take it? You know, like, and then who do I navigate? So I need step one. Okay, then who do I call? You know, step two, like all of that. So I really believe in like choreographing your career is key um, to the success um, because then you don't seem like you're all over the place either. Um, you know, like, oh, what am I going to do? How do I do this? Oh, no, no, no. You're going to have like some type of structure, like, you know, like, because, because you don't, your end is not a graduation. Like, you know, at least when you went to school, you knew that, you know, I take these courses, I do this, I do that, you know, I'll get a degree out of it. And, um, but this you're like, okay, it may or may not, but I do feel that if you like choreograph it and, you know, you take the, take the skills and the context you have at, um, at school and that, you know, move forward and just kind of build that, um, that is. And then another book that I highly recommend is Getting Things Done by David Allen. Um, I read it, um, Oh, about six months ago. And it changed my life for organization, for keeping me on target. Um, I used all of those skills for Nick's show. And I didn't have, you know, I went to bed with a sound mind. Like I didn't have to, I didn't have, like, I didn't worry about certain things. I didn't, I was like, okay, I got it done. I, you know, it's just a checklist. And I mean, it's a little bit more, but I, those are the two books that I highly recommend. Um, anybody and everybody at any age, at any age to get, um, because it just really, it just gives you that relief. I mean, it's a stressful time. It's stressful for everybody. And that's why I say at any time, I mean, show gets canceled. I mean, it's like, well, geez, now what am I going to do? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, um, and then you're graduating from college and you don't have a job. You're like, oh, now what am I going to do? <laughs> like, great. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, it's those things, but, um, but, you know, it will work out. I mean, if you have a good attitude, you have a good attitude. I do say that you listen um, and you want to learn. And I think all of those things are, are the key, you know, like just to like being alive, like, you know, and following your dreams and your goals and everything. Joe, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. It's been really great to catch up with you. Yes, you too, Patty. It's so good. And I want to see our picture. That's another episode of Depth of Field, a production of the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University. Thanks to my engineer, Michael Pawarski, and my producer, Allison Biss. I'm Patty Williamson. Thanks for joining us.